Good evening. So this Sunday, our gospel picks up where we left off last Sunday, in the middle of John's 14th chapter, which is better known as the Last Supper Discourse. And I have to tell you, each year when we stand here proclaiming these gospels from John, which talk about, you know him because he remains in you and will be in you, and I live in the Father, and you live in me, and so on. Well, I have to tell you, the look on some of the faces coming back to us is like, what is John talking about? It sounds like a tongue twister. Well, one of the key differences that is unlike the other gospel, John does not write about the events of the Last Supper, or the breaking, the blessing, and the distribution of bread, and the passing of the cup. Instead, John talks about relationships. And the model he gives for how we are to enter into relationship is the Trinity. The language of the text we heard last week and this week is all about Trinitarian relationship and our place within it. Since that gospel was penned over the centuries, countless volumes have been written on the doctrine of three beings in God. Hindered by the use of language, the best we can do is use metaphors. You know, ones that we grew up with was the St. Patrick's classical shamrock, you know, three leaves and one stem. Or maybe you like the musical metaphor of three distinctive notes that plays one harmonic chord. But if we pause this afternoon, we stop looking at God as a noun. How about instead we consider God as a verb? Now, what I'm suggesting is nothing original or or heretical. Actually, it's rooted in our faith. For it was the third century that the Greek fathers used the word parakolesis to explain the Trinity. And the best translation of this Greek word is dancing. But the way the early Christians looked at the three persons or personas in God is that whatever's going on in God, Father, Son, and Spirit, It's like a dance. And God is not the dancer. Rather, God is the dance itself. Brother Elias, a Trappist monk from the Monastery of the Holy Spirit down in Georgia, writes this. The ancient Greek fathers depict the Trinity as a round dance, an event that's continued for 6,000 years and actually beyond the time when humans first knew time. An infinite current of love streams without ceasing, to and fro, to and fro, gliding from the Father to the Son to the Spirit and back to the Father in one timeless happening. This circular current of Trinitarian love continues night and day. The orderly and rhythmic process of subatomic particles spinning round and round at immense speeds echoes this flow. Reminds me of the years that I studied organic chemistry up at Scranton and the many lectures we had that the inherent energy in the the atom not only is about the actual molecule itself, but the energy between these molecules. So, too, the Greek fathers did not necessarily focus on this pyramidal trinity that we're used to, that we grew up with, with God at the top, that old gray man sitting on the throne, throwing the lightning bolts. And then, you know, the sun with the cool blonde hair and the blue robes and the spirit somehow was a dove flying around. 
But their metaphor dealt with this circular sense of this infinite flow. The movement of love between the Father who generates, the Son who is begotten, and the Holy Spirit who proceeds. And part of the reason God sent forth his Son is so that we would know that we're all invited into this divine flow. This participation is depicted in one of the most famous icons created by Russian iconographer uh, Rublev in the 15th century. It's entitled The Trinity. If you look at the icon, it depicts three figures in union sitting around a table, eating and drinking in infinite hospitality and in total relationship with one another. But one has to note that the image of the Holy Spirit is pointing to a fourth place at the table. And at that spot on the icon is what art historians claim to be possibly some residual glue, which indicates perhaps that there was a mirror mirror attached to that icon so that the person viewing the icon would see themselves sitting at the table with the Trinity. This icon reminds us that, that there's room at the table for you and me, that our God is not a distant God, But as John points out in today's gospel, you know him because he remains with you and will always be with you. You See, the flow is always there. The invitation is always present. It's never earned. And we're awakened to this flow at the very beginning of our Christian life when the baptismal waters are poured over our head while the priest or deacon intones the Trinitary blessing of Father, Son, and Spirit. Challenges, we're just too young to remember it. That's why we start these liturgies during Easter, pouring water all over you, not to drench you, but to remind you of your baptism. For it's up to us to remind ourselves and our children and our grandchildren that we need to show up. We need to respond to this invitation to enter the dance. But unfortunately, many of us get hung up on that performance for reward or this worthiness model of theology. But I hate to tell you, we can follow all the rules and laws, we can earn all kinds of degrees, write all kinds of books, publish papers, give lectures, and still not know God. For the only way to know God is to surrender to this flow. Thus, the best definition I have for sin would be those actions which have us turning our backs to the flow, ignoring the flow, blocking the flow, when we turn away from being in relationship. But here's the kicker. Even when we do that, even when we sin, even when we're not at our best, even when we're at our worst, even when we feel abandoned, even when we've given up all kinds of hope, God is there. God can't love you any less. Nothing you can do can change God's mind about you. And that divine flow, it's always coming through you, with you, and in you, always present, always available. It's we who have to believe in it, have faith in it, permit it, share it, and rejoice in the fact that we're called to join in this divine dance. We're called to jump into this circle. We're invited to participate in the Trinity and invited to come to this table of the Lord.
Now can you see why John had no reason to speak of bread and wine in his version of the Last Supper? Instead, he tells us what gift we have been given is that being in communion, being in relationship means you are in Christ and that you know him. For just as Christ is in God, he will be in you. He remains in you. And thus, we're all in him. And he is in us. For once you believe these great words from his Last Supper discourse, only then will you be able to believe and see that we are the living body of Christ, which then allows our eyes to be open to seeing Christ everywhere and in everybody, and thus becoming ever more aware and awakened to the divine flow of God's eternal love.